Coming to you live from Arsenio Hall's Dog Pound, because Matt wanted a 90s callback. It is The Ditch Digger Season 8, Episode 17, with Mer Lafferty and Matt Wallace. And ain't no one if he's here With some not so nice advice So you're writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch diggers How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm just thrilled I got you to say Arsenio Hall's dog pound. That was the whole point of the bit. You're so welcome. I feel like I'm done. I can just go home now. Well, I'm home already. I'm doing this from my home. You are. So, so really, I've accomplished all my goals. I don't know what to do with myself now. Okay. How about do a podcast? We can do a pod- podcast that is also a live stream. Yeah. Wow. It's like a floor wax and a dessert topping. No, I just, it makes you really realize how in the future you are, you know? Because, like, we thought we were in the future doing podcasts like 15 years ago. But we weren't. Which I know it blows everybody's mind to find out the podcast existed 15 years ago. Because they, I know they were just invented like six months ago and then a year before that, whatever. But yeah, we thought we were in the future then. Mm-hmm. But now it's like we're doing a podcast while streaming live on Twitch. Like, it's just, it's bananas. Actually, Vulture has claimed podcasting's over. It apparently started with Serial in yeah. 2012, and now it's over. Now it's over. Well, I said a bunch of I, bad words. Yeah. Then I guess we're not really doing this right now. We're I not guess really not. Here. Do you, are you saying you want to stop, or are you saying that we don't exist? Because the second one's more I'm saying, we, we, well, we can't exist. If Vulture okay. says it's over, then how can we be doing a podcast right now? I don't know. I really don't. Um... So today we're going to be talking about book launches because that and pet stuff is all that's on my mind and we don't have a pet spot podcast, so. Um, we should have a pet podcast. You don't have a pet. I will get a pet so we can do a pet podcast. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, yeah, my dog is almost two weeks off of her uh, major knee surgery. She's doing Saturday, this past Saturday was the first time we actually felt like she was doing better. And, you know, yesterday she was up. Sometimes when I sit at the kitchen table, she comes and stands beside me and barks politely. Not like, not like aggressive or, or even piercing. She's just kind of like, woof. And that is the, <laughs> I would like to go outside now, please, noise. And it's, it's the, I want to go back and patrol the backyard, not the I need to pee thing. So right. I want to go for the for first squirrels. time in like weeks, she's, I was sitting at the kitchen table and she's like, woof, woof. I'm like, you still, you can't even put weight on that leg. No, she's like, no, no, no feel good. Woof. So that's kind of she's good and kind of annoying. You know, she's, hmm? she's a warrior and she's, it's hard for her to be laid up like that. She is. Oh, definitely. That's why she's sedated. But I think the sedatives, she's starting to develop a tolerance. Um, Premius pointed out that while I do not have a pet myself, I am the uncle to her cat fiasco. 
True. Who does not laugh at any of my who does not laugh at any of my jokes, no matter how funny they are. Right. Well, if, if you're Fiasco's uncle, you got to be Rosa's uncle. No, oh, yeah, no, long standing. So really, yeah. I just feel like yeah, I have I have relationships with pets. I say it differently, and yeah. I guess that's kind of a weird sentence now that I'm reflecting on it. But you know what I mean. So Matt, you are you uh, are in a down you are in a, a resting period with work. Tell us about where you are right now with your whips. <clears throat> like how? Oh that. no! So yeah, because this relates to what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, no, I'm in that uh, I'm in that uh, resting and getting strong period. I, I have books that will be coming out, but the release dates for them, um, really, the books themselves haven't been announced yet. So. The books are in copy edits, and they will be coming out next year. But I don't really have anything to promote yet, re- relating to them. So I just think you should promote that of, you're you know, like resting after busting your ass for all of 2022 so far. No, and I, I no, I put it. I've said that on Twitter a few times, but yeah. So that's and you know I say resting. I'm still I'm writing a video game full time too. So resting i really just mean i'm just gonna do one job for a few weeks mm-hmm. that's really what that boils down to just do one incredibly taxing job for a few weeks so yeah no i have i have books coming up i'm excited about but i'm not in that thinking about launches and promotion yet because neither of them have been announced i don't know i don't know what the release dates are mm-hmm. i did get some good news this morning that immediately made me angry um <laughs> of course it would of course it would tell me about publishing the related publishing news okay you're happy for five seconds and then you find an angle on it that makes you angry no my editor of uh of savage crowns the final savage rebellion book my epic uh my adult epic fantasy series uh she know that um simon audio is exercising their right to oh well i did i freeze no okay it looked like i froze simon audio is exercising their option to do savage crowns as an audio book so there will be three. There will be an audio edition of all three Savage Rebellion books, right? That's Which good. is very good news. But it also just highlighted how uncertain that was. You know what I mean? It's like I'm just I'm just grateful that all my contracted books are going to be released in the formats that we I we assumed they would be when we started the series. Like, yeah. Basically, what we're celebrating is that they didn't get canceled, or my books didn't get canceled by anybody. Hooray! So, like I said, I was happy for about five seconds, and I was like, God, that sucks that that's where we're at. I already got downgraded to paper, from hardbacks to paperback releases, which, I mean, you know, the whole hardcover paperback discussion, we've had it before, we'll have it again. But still, when you start as you're going to be this big deal hardcover release, and the second book is like, eh, we're just going to put that on paperback. Yeah. Because um, no one's collecting you. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was my good news in the morning, followed by my, my publishing anger. But anyway, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. I've got, I've got books and copy edits that will be coming out, but I don't know what's coming out yet. Whereas you, you're in like full on book launch mode. We know what your book is. We know when it's coming out and we've got to let people know. That's right. That's right. My book. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm Before still so something in in the back end is still breaking, and I don't know why. Um, yeah, I uh, I have Station Eternity, which is coming out in a week and a day. Uh, I have my copies now. I can't even see if if I'm there. We go. I have my copies. I'm very excited. 
It's a very pretty book. I love Beautiful. it. Beautiful. I love the cover. I'm proud of it. We'll see if other people agree with the fact that it's good. But I've gotten mostly good reviews. Um, yeah, book list, library journal. Uh, librarians put it on the top 10 books for October. Nice. Um, yeah. And actually, I do want to talk about one thing, which I guess can go in with book launches. Um, I think I'm growing as a person. Like in height or? No. Oh, okay. As a person. Right. Emotionally. I, I did find one negative review. And it didn't crush me. I didn't go looking for it. I kind of oh. stumbled across it. And, um, right. and I didn't read it. <laughs> it's like... there. I discovered there are verbs you can find that are, you know, red flags immediately. Like, right. you know, the first three words being Mer Lafferty tries... <laughs> usually when someone says you try something they don't they, they, it doesn't follow with and succeed so right. I didn't read it yeah. fully but I did read like the beginning and the end and I thought well that's not good and then um, I felt kind of down but then I've been I've been more crushed by better reviews with like little bitty negative things in it so um, yeah you know it, the 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 Response is largely positive. And, you know, Six Wakes also had one bad review, um, like from the big journals type review places. So, um, and that did okay. So, it's, uh, I, I felt, I felt proud of myself for not reacting heavily to that. Um, and I can't tell you why. So I shouldn't feel happy for myself because I can't tell you that I actually did an action that, <laughs> that's, made me towards something mature just it didn't bug yeah. me that much you don't, you don't have to understand the source to enjoy the the fruits the benefits of it you know yeah the point is it didn't bother you like that's a, that's a win all the way across the board yeah because you know especially before the book comes out like that you're 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 i think your your sensitivity to that stuff is even more heightened you know oh yeah and like, of if course it comes out already yeah yeah, I had a feeling, uh, I think it was last week, where I suddenly started to think about every weak spot in the book and how I'd like to fix it. Right. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good part in the um, steps that most people take up to book launch, I think. And uh, so that was fun. But yeah, yeah I'm, pretty... I've been doing, um, I've got mostly virtual stuff coming up. I have one... I have a, a an actual launch event at a bookstore in Chapel Hill, North Carolina next week. Uh, if you're in the area, it's Flyleaf Books. So um, come on by. I have no idea how what response is. So uh, the more the merrier. Um, I will be masked. I recommend other people being masked. COVID's still a thing, and apparently it's more contagious than ever. And every time we get a new strain, it says it's more contagious than ever. It just scares the crap out of me. But anyway, <laughs> Valerie yeah. Valdez says, Two days ago, I realized I missed a pun opportunity in my first book. The feelings never end. Um, oh, that's real. Yeah. That's real. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of... 
Yeah, if you pre and if you pre if you're not local and you pre-order from Flyleaf, I will sign the book for you because I'm um, nice. be doing that too. Um, so yay for signed books and for shopping uh, local and indie. We always yep, encourage that. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm doing that. So I think we used to rail against this, but now I kind of I see the point, and I'm just trying to move towards acceptance, which is all the work the author has to do on the marketing end. And oh yeah, I'm not talking about, we, we've talked about the um, questionnaire that some marketing people send out, like name all of your high profile media contacts. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, I know Annalie Newitz and Charlie Jane Anders, but they're not on io9 anymore. So I don't have any. <laughs> it's, it's like they, they expect you. And then, just it felt like a lot of heavy lifting which was supposed to be their job but also yeah. what they ask you to do is um they want you to do podcast interviews they want you to do um guest blog posts which feels like a lot of work honestly but it is part of it is. but, but yeah. people love to hear something from the author when it's uh when your book's coming out and it doesn't even have to they be, do. and it doesn't even have to be, um, uh, like directly connected to your, not, not, sorry. It doesn't even have to be about your book. Um, for example, no, no, I've, got, absolutely not. Yeah. I've got one of, uh, my five favorite Agatha Christie novels for reasons that most people don't have, which kind of devolved into three Agatha Christie novels. I would love to write fanfic for, so um, that's coming up. People love lists. Yes, know? they do. And uh, Premie says, I hope so, because I've done a lot of those guest blog posts and I don't think people are reading them. I never hear back. Also, I hate writing them and it's a curse. Well, you know, I... I yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people... I, I don't know if I've ever heard, like, this is the engagement levels of the stuff you wrote for us. Yeah, you never get those. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with all that, right? Because this, they they always ask you to do this, <clears throat> and I used to I used to do everything I was asked without question. I was like, I have to do the most I can do, or else how can I, you know, expect them to do their the most they can do or complain when they don't, right? Like at least on my end, I can do every I can I can take every opportunity I'm given, and then after a while, you realize how few of those things are actually opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the truth is a lot of them are really uh, publicists for publishers just looking like they're doing their job. And that's, and that sounds fucked up, but it's the truth. Now, if you want me to do something, I'm willing to do it, but I want to know all about the numbers that the, the, the market you want me to write for is getting like, what, right. what is the audience they're reaching? Who is that audience? And most of the time you'll find the publicist asking you, to write posts for that market have no idea about any of that stuff. It's just a name they pulled mm -hmm. off a list somewhere. And if that's be if that's going to be the case, then I don't do it anymore. I just don't because it's not worth my time. Because the truth is, premium is right. Most of the time, people aren't reading that. They aren't. They just aren't. It's just not happening. Like unless it's a really big market that reaches a lot of people and they're going to give you a lot of frontage and coverage on it and boost it a lot, then it's just not worth doing. And the same thing with a lot of podcasts. You know. I love, well, we, we podcast. I love podcasts. Uh, 
but I want to know about the numbers. I want to know what the listeners are. I want to know what the downloads are. I want to know all those things. And I want to decide if it's worth my time to take time out of my life to go do that. Because most of the time they're going to put you on, you know, very small shows with very small listenerships. And it's just not going to, it's not going to do anything, you know, it's, and, and it's just, I'm, I've reached a point where I'm not willing to expend that time, and that energy so we can all look like we're doing our jobs marketing the book when the when the fact is none of this has any cumulative effect, you know? So what are your numbers? <clears throat> so what are my numbers for what? What are your requirements? Oh, I mean like You gotta have I'll, a number. If you if you have a, a, a demand like that, you have to have a number in mind. Yeah. Like and I, I I do generally. But like I also I, I consider I consider scale. I consider what is the like First of all, what is the podcast or the market like they want me to go on? Who do they target? You know, if it's like a general literary podcast, and especially if it's, you know, they're targeting broader range, I want to have a bigger number than like a really niche, like specifically nerd geek podcast, because those tend to have smaller numbers. Yeah, but you probably have a greater return on investment, sort of, with the nerd podcast. And then like... And there, and you know, there are intangibles too, like engagement, like they get, and how much engagement they do with their audience too. And it's just it, there, there's a lot that goes into it. And you got to look at, you got to look at each thing on its own. But you do, you do, you do have to have standards. And most of these days, I just don't, I don't do a lot because I just don't get offered. I don't get offered things that meet the threshold to begin with, so it doesn't really even matter, you know. <clears throat> but well, it's just funny because um, I, I still wrestle with this fact that. Ditch Diggers has gotten um, two Hugo nominations. One of them was a win. And did we get two or three? I think we got two. We had two nominations and one, we won. One the win, year. yeah. Um, I Should Be Writing, my other podcast, has not gotten any of those, uh, any Hugo nominations. Um, I Should Be Writing has 10 times the listeners that Ditch Diggers does. Yeah, but when it comes to true. engagement, like like fans writing in or responding, or you know people asking to be on the show, they all want to be on Ditch Diggers. Mm-hmm. People do want to be on. I should be writing. Not all. I shouldn't say all. But for some reason, Ditch Diggers is. I guess it's more high profile because of um, we're doing something not a lot of people are doing, which is talking about business, and um, we've won awards. Award. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing of of. I kind of feel yeah, weird per- if people ask me how many people are listening because the number's not huge. Yeah, the perception thing is real. And like when I was when I took um, we took my my first Savage book out to shop around, a lot of the editors that we talked to knew me, but they didn't know me from my fiction. They knew me from this podcast. Mm-hmm. And really? what? Yeah, my I guess we never really had this conversation. But yeah, well, my agent I kind of come to is. This doing this podcast, I mean, this is a totally mercenary way to look at this. I do this podcast with you because I enjoy doing this podcast with you, and I think it's a cool thing to do. But just from like, what value does it have to my career, which is a conversation you'll have with your agent or whoever time to time, like this raised my profile within the industry. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be a very industry facing podcast that we have here because we talk about industry stuff, right? On I Should Be Writing, you talk about writing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you talk about the craft of writing, you talk about, you know, you talk about books, you talk to authors about something. Like that. And I think that has a much broader appeal 
to a, to a wider range of people. Now, if you were going to ask me <clears throat> if I had, like, here's the thing, if I had a book to sell, if I was like, if I was going to take a book out to publishers, I'd want to be on this podcast because I think more people in the industry are going to hear this podcast. If I had a book I'd already sold and now it's going to be published and we're taking it out to readers, I'd want to be on I Should Be Writing because I think I would reach more people who buy books mm. than inside industry people who are inundated with books all the time. Yeah. Know? And that to me is the difference between hard numbers and perception. And that's kind of what I mean about the intangibles when you talk about numbers is like the intangibles are like, who's the audience you're reaching? How do you engage them? Like yeah. we're not reaching as many people, but we're a very industry facing podcast. I Should Be Writing is reaching a wider range because I Should Be Writing is much more, I think, a listener consumer focused podcast to me. And I think the numbers bear that when you talk about them, you know? Yeah. Um, people in chat are discussing the, the differences, um, uh, medius or immedius. I'm not sure. Um, this Jiggers has a much bigger overlap with the Hugo voters. It's a good point. Also, uh, thank you for the follow earlier. I didn't get a chance to say thank you, but, um, and you also triggered my Halloween alerts, which makes me very happy. So, um, this Tiggers feels more like the interview show compared to I Should Be Writing. I have been including more I Should Be Writing interviews in the rotation. Interviews with people I don't know stress me out, which is stupid because I've only ever had... I can count on one hand the people who've been terrible interviews and made me uncomfortable. Um, those people will never be invited back. I have a list. Um, but for some, it's just that whole, like, welcoming a stranger and... You don't know if they're going to give you like really good information for your audience or if they're going to start talking about the ghost in their house. <laughs> this happened, if you remember. It happened, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. Say, yeah. Uh, um, I don't think that's unfair. And also, Murr, it's your fucking show. You can do whatever you want. You know, yeah. like you got to make the choices that work for you. But on the other hand, you know, people are like, it, it go outside your comfort zone occasionally. It's, it's like this podcast is not supposed to be me wrapped up in a blanket. Again, I think we should either wrap up in a blanket podcast about pets. <laughs> Probably be bigger than anything we've ever done oh in the last God. 15 years. That'd be the one that really cracked it open finally. Uh, no, right, man. Well, like, that's, we can do yeah, that. That's totally fine, though. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, but anyway, getting kind of getting back to what we're talking about. Yeah, so, sorry. Book launches. Yeah, but I do want to, to dovetail that quickly, and then I want to move on. It's like, when it comes to the, the doing blog posts, doing podcasts, all that stuff, you have to set standards for yourself. You have to ask questions. And it's not like that stuff can't be worth doing or can't have a cumulative effect. But I really feel like if it's going to, you have to, you have to, it has to be more than a, one, a random one shot. Like, you have to have a targeted approach to it. And I think of, like, Sarah Gailey is a really good example. Mm -hmm. Gailey did all those series of posts for Tor.com on different shit, like, you know, Harry Potter or whatever it was. I forget it now. I'm sorry to Gailey that I'm just remembering. But Gailey did series about things and those blew up really, really big. And I think got Gailey a, a pretty sizable following that did translate into their books. You know, I thought so they did the tour.com stuff before they were writing novels. They did, but that's kind of my point. Is like I think if you're gonna if you're gonna take the approach that I'm gonna do blog posts and stuff like that to promote my books. You, it has to be something you build and you can do it before you can. I don't think you have to do it before you can do it during, but I think because Gailey built that audience doing that, it translated when Gailey started releasing novels. And like, that's an instance where 
putting all that work into doing these posts was beneficial to book releases and a book career. Would you say it's it would be beneficial to to for that for an established author to start doing that? Yeah, and especially okay. for an established yeah, an established author has a bit of an audience. Like if you want to commit the time to doing it, but I think it has to be more than a one shot. Again, it's about consistency and it's about you know doing it. D- devoting the time to doing something that also builds over time because that's the thing is that one blog post doesn't build anything you know and that's why breaking things down in the series the way Gailey did was such a smart thing to do because people kept coming back they kept sharing them it built a following over time and built Gailey a following over time so I do see a value in authors doing things like that established authors doing things like that but again it's something you have to devote a, a good amount of time into being consistent about and doing something over a long period which is can be difficult for a lot of people. Like I have no ability to do stuff like that, which is why I don't try to do it. But I just, that's something that occurred to me while we were talking about blog posts. So I wanted to throw that out. I didn't want it to be like doing blog posts is always a waste of time. Yeah. But anyway, Mercy, you talked about tour. You talked about uh, virtual, you're doing virtual. Yeah. I'm doing several virtual events uh, between now and December. And that makes it sound really impressive, but it's like, a whole bunch next week and then one in December. So it's not like I'm going through November with tons and tons of virtual things. I've just been asked to talk about, on a panel in November. She podcast was canceled, which really made me angry because they, yeah, uh, yeah I think I talked about that last time. Sorry. I'm, I'm still angry. And I just heard from my no. publicist that they did get me a book signing in DC and now I have to figure out what to do about that. Um, I think it was not a, it, it was not a, uh, event but it was a come by and sign stock which i suppose i shouldn't drive five hours to do but i still feel bad that they did the work to try to get me into bookstores in the area and i'm not gonna be there but um that's that's rough man i I feel for you on that yeah yeah like and you know with the with the in-person visits and the and the books and the the the, uh, the tour stuff I mean, at this point, like if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that there's no reason everybody can't be doing virtual bookstore based tours, right? Yeah. Like, because everybody started doing that. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad I'm doing my local bookstore because I want, I'm, this sounds mercenary, and you know, I'm, I'm like, never do this if you don't like the person. You know, networking is not entirely mercenary. If you don't like the person, don't spend time with them, no matter what they can do for your career, because it's just icky. But, you know, I want the bookstore to remember me and like me. And if they do, Mm -hmm. they'll help sell my books. And so um, I try to think about that if I ever have a bookstore event. Not that I've had that many, but if I ever have a bookstore event where it does, I don't get a lot of readers showing up, I can still try to show my appreciation to the staff and hope that they'll, yeah, no. you know, remember stuff. Um, Absolutely. No, I brought that up because I think it's, that is also something that's really we're talking about is the value of booksellers to your book sales yeah, and developing relationships with them, which is something I'm a huge, huge believer in. And the other thing I wanted to, to talk about, um, you know, you can really, it's, it's easy to feel like, especially when you're a debut author, or you're more of an unknown author, it's really to extract value from doing um, books, bookshop events in terms of getting eyes on them from people, right? Like a lot of times people just don't show up. And that's why they don't usually send debut authors 
physical tours around the bookstores. They usually, usually the authors who do physical bookstore tours are English authors who have an audience of people who are already going to show up. <clears throat> but what I wanted to get to talking about the virtual events was, and just like you said, the value I see in doing that is develop relationships with the booksellers themselves and leaving a good impression and showing them you're committed to working with them to try and sell as many books with them as possible. Because that's that's the thing that lasts longer than you know the one the one event you do the one night, regardless of how many people show up. If you can make a good impression, if they believe in your book and they believe what you're doing, they'll continue hand selling that book for as long as they have it. And yeah. you know, they'll, if they sell out, they'll reorder more. And that's the kind of shit that has, I feel, has real, real value and makes a real difference to your sales. So something I definitely want to focus on going forward, especially with my middle grade books. I'm doing books for kids. And like, I think booksellers matter even more there, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, booksellers and librarians are huge. For yeah, booksellers and librarians. That's the thing I plan to focus more on when, when I start gearing up to do promotion for that is I want to do as many virtual events with kids' bookstores and as many library events as possible. And I really want to focus on developing with all of those people that extend beyond the visits. And I think that's really what's worth doing. And especially with the virtual stuff, it allows you to reach so many more people in so many more markets, so many more places. Because obviously I can't go around to kids' bookstores all over the country and do and do physical tours and physical stops. Like it's just not feasible financially or, or practically right now. But with virtual being a thing, I really feel like it's worth working that into your plan. You know, because because before I would have I would have just said, you might as well just do your local stuff and then call it a day. Because like it's not worth you know going to another state if you don't have an established audience that's going to show up for you. Mm-hmm. Like those physical book stops just have those physical book visits just have such a limited value. But with the virtual stuff, yeah, that's really what I'm looking towards is expanding uh kind of my network of knowing booksellers and knowing librarians as much as i can using that as the as the as the mechanism yeah and that's the reason for it it's not about the people you draw to those events it's about the relationships you develop with the booksellers and the stores and librarians and all these people who are going to be there for you uh as the life of your book goes on it's the friends you make along the way it is it is marketing is the friends you make along the way the best, yeah. the best marketing, I think, is that. And, you know, yeah. it's just, you spend, you spend years doing this, and those years are spent trying to boil down what actually works, what actually makes a difference to any of this stuff. Because, you know, the depressing truth is 99% of the things you do as the author, most of the time, don't really have any effect on your actual sales. You know, yeah. it's, it's something that is largely out of your control. So accepting that... You, I, I try to start to look at practical, small things I can do that actually will make a difference. And that's yeah. that's one of those things, you know. Well, um, I'm doing something new and... Where's the word? Not aggressive, but... Innovative? I guess so, yeah. Innovative, um, yeah. Experimental. I guess that works too. Um, in that I wrote like a 30 minute audio drama. For oh, the audio drama, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, book. And it's going to be presented live on Twitch as a live table read um, with a bunch of people I know. And it's been really interesting and scary and. Um, 
I'm really interested to see how that's going to turn out. By the way, if you're listening to this before October 1st, it is October 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern Time here on twitch.tv slash Mighty Um, But it's... Uh, it, was, it was interesting to try to work out how the the project goes because it's not just the first three chapters in audio drama form i'm trying to take the main two people and give them their backstories and how they ended up on the station and a little bit about the current conflict on the station and so you get one character's backstory around page 140 so the page 140 thing is going to be you know, you're going to get well into the book, but it's a flashback. So it's not, you know, it just goes into 140 because that's where the pacing worked. But um, yeah, if you want, if you want a sneak peek into the middle of the book uh, in a flashback, definitely check it out because we will see how one of our characters has gotten onto the station. Um, but yeah, it's been, it, it's been scary. I, I had a hope. I know two people who are established semi-famous actors and failed to get them both <laughs> and um but you know i have i also know a lot of people who are voiceover actors or improv actors or streamers um and so i did uh get a lot of awesome people involved with it um once you say who the people are or get, get people i was getting there <laughs> i was getting there it's just funny talking about trying to do this. It makes it sound like, so I had to settle for these assholes and I don't want it to make it sound like that. No, it's not that, but you're, I like that you're revealing the journey that you took to put this thing together. Yeah. Like you did what you should do. You started with the most notable people. No one can be you that or is going to be upset about that. Yeah. And then you kind of, you worked your way down a list. Like, and that's perfect. That's a perfectly, that's what you should do. Yeah. Um, I am delighted to, to say that, that Urban Bohemian, um, AKA Brian Gray will be, uh, actually I should say Brian Gray, AKA Urban Bohemian, but anyway, um, will be my, uh, one of my main characters. Um, Joey T. Badger will be my narrator and a friend of mine who does, um, audiobook narrations, Amanda Berry will be my other main character. And then I have other people from uh, Joey T. Badger does the uh, when Blazeball is happening, if it ever happens again. Um, he does a lot of streaming for Blazeball, but also he and a bunch of his improv friends do a live play of Little League Baseball, which is like Blazeball plus horror plus children. So they all play 11-year-olds in a horror situation. Um and so a lot of the people involved with that, actually everybody but one will be um, helping me out. So so uh, Bridget, Marissa, and uh, John Serpico will be helping out. John Smarr, who is an old, who is neither actor oh. nor voice actor nor improv person nor streamer, but is a uh, voice that old time fans of my work will remember. Um, he's going to be playing a small part. Numbers Ninja will be playing a small part. Awesome. And um, I'm always afraid if I list out the cast, I'm going to forget somebody. It's not an Oscar acceptance speech. Nobody's going to get upset. Okay, good. Um, 
So yeah, I've got these amazing people who are willing. Uh, uh, my husband Jim is doing the foley; he's doing all the sound effects, and my <laughs> uh, assistant Tim is doing. Um, basically, he's kind of been the project manager to make sure I don't forget anything, which is really good. No, I think it's a great idea. I, I, I thought it was a great idea the first time I heard it, and it's a really cool way to create a cool event and create a cool piece of art in and of itself but also promote your book. And mm-hmm. also I really, and the first time I saw that, I was like, that's really smart. Cause it's also, if it goes well and you dig it, it's something you could build on too. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you couldn't do more of those. And that's yeah. something that could build an audience itself over time. People love that. So no, oh, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a really, really smart, cool way to do, to do something cool around your book launch and around the new book. So it'll be going on YouTube after the, the Twitch stream. So it'll be up yeah. there for good. <clears throat> and uh, what's really neat is, uh, <laughs> I say this diplomatically. Um, this is technically an uh, an audio dramatic uh, production, so it not it does not fall within the purview of my contract with my publisher, right? Because it's a you know it's an audio drama. It's not just a reading of the audio book. So um, while we've been, of course, in communication with them and cooperation uh, my agent did point out that that they don't have the rights to this so I can do it I could do the whole thing if I wanted I don't but it's uh, this is where you pay attention to the rights that you sell um, because this would be I don't know if audio drama or stage rights or what but uh, every right that you hold on to, can be useful especially now that they're doing like stage plays and musicals from novels i'm still baffled at that but um you know if we ever get six wakes the musical or station the musical i will be so delighted i want to see the space station have its own musical number that Mm -hmm. the space station itself sings i think that would be amazing of course she would sing i don't think that's i don't think it's ever been done before so (laughs) No, I'm just saying it'd be cool. I'm like picturing like, you know, they'd have to do like a cool puppet or puppetry mm, for yes. it. Yeah. And I love puppets. So no, but that is it, it is all the things you said, Mar. That is uh it's innovative and experimental and it's a it's a cool thing you're doing. I hope it works out and I hope you I hope I hope you find I hope you find this a cool new way to to promote the book that really gets it some visibility and some attention. I hope so too. You know what I found out yesterday? There's a hurricane coming. <laughs> oh man. Yes, and it will, uh, if it's on its present track, it will hit this area around noon Friday, and we haven't had a hurricane to take out power for more than a couple of hours in a long time. I can't right. remember the last time it happened, but it's it's been a long time. So if, if, if it goes on its current path, it'll hit us at Category 1, which will probably be fine. Um, hurricanes are serious, people. I'm just talking about specifically losing power. Right. Um, so it's probably going to be okay, but I've just, it would just be so funny if the time a hurricane hits and makes us lose power will be when I'm about to host one of the more adventurous, uh, <laughs> ambitious, that's the word I was looking for. Ambitious, ambitious there you go. Ambitious live stream video things I've ever done. Uh, so all of you listening or watching, just know that Hurricane Ian is coming and I have to pay attention to that. Um, I will be, uh, I will be, uh, 
keeping my phone charged, so I'll be able to update social media or whatever. And uh, I do have a contingency plan that uh, Joey T. Badger may host the whole thing from Boston, and I could just do my bit because I had to take over one of the acting parts. I'm also in it. I had to take over one of the acting parts because I used one of Amanda Berry as my understudy because my my star person was not getting back to me, and I'm like, I'm going to offer you either a little bitty part or the most important part, so we'll see. <laughs> so yeah, I have to do my... Um, I have to do my, my, and I really wouldn't want it to happen without me anyway, but I, I would right. do it via the phone. Um, but yeah, you, you got to do what you got But if anything, the Hurricane Elm will just add a layer of excitement and tension to the whole proceedings. True, although so. the hurricane should be done by the time the actual stream happens. But. Well, you should pretend it's still happening so it adds a layer of tension and excitement. To the proceedings. I'll tell Jim to put in some uh, wind fully. In he can, yeah, have him fully that hurricane. Fully that hurricane, Jim. <laughs> uh, I just like that sentence. I just want to, I never thought I'd say that in my life. So, uh, all right, Marwa, I know we, I know we began late, but yeah, it, is coming up on, it is coming up on the hour here. We're going to have to, uh, have to call it. Yes, Because writing uh, beckons. The, yes. the job we're talking about here beckons. No kidding. Um, yeah, so, you do your outro, and I'm going to try to see if we can find somebody to um, raid. Okay, but you also have to plug your book when I'm done. I will. Because that was I was going to find someone to raid while you did your promo, <laughs> and then I would do my promo. And Sounds like a plan. So, yeah, you Trust can uh, – it was in the chat. Or I do. You're a fucking Hall of Famer, dude. Mm. Um, it was in the chat earlier, but you can find me online at matt-wallace.com. I'm mostly on the Twitters at Matt FN Wallace. Um, as we talked about during the body of the show, I don't have books upcoming yet, but I have many books out there right now. I have the, uh, the first two books in my Savage Rebellion trilogy, Savage Legion and Savage Bounty. I've got my two middle grade books out right now, Bump and The Supermodel's Guide to Being a Fat Kid. We've got merch for all merch. of those things. The, the Void merch store. They got a whole Matt Wallace collection. You can find that link on my website. They did a great job. You can get Cool designs from all the worlds of my fiction on all kinds of cool memorabilia, shirts, cups, stickers. Go check that out. And, uh, yeah, go go consume. Be consumers. It's the best thing you can do is go spend money. Go buy things. My things. <laughs> I'm feeling uncomfortable a little Mer, bit. Mer, did you find someone to raid? Can I, can I stop I this I did. Now? I did. You can stop. Okay. Yeah. Um. I'll just put it in the thing right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I am at merverse.com where you can find the links to everything, including how to subscribe to this podcast, how to subscribe to the other podcast, how to get Station Eternity from any, uh, almost any uh, person who's selling it, either big stores, little stores, you want signed, you want ebooks, you want audio, we got it all. And um, also, I, I have not pr promoted my um, Ophelia Network novella very much. It is on audible.com, so it's, a, it's an exclusive. Um, more and more people have been like coming out of the woodwork telling me they like it, which is making me feel a lot better. So that's good. Um, 
I'm going to stream. I got to take my three-legged dog to the vet tomorrow. She's not three-legged. She's just got knee surgery. And so I will not be streaming tomorrow afternoon, but I will be streaming Wandering Village on Wednesday and I should be writing on Thursday. And then live stream, I should be, or, or, or Station Eternity live on Saturday night, October 1st, 7 p.m. This podcast was produced under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. Music provided by Devo Spice, devospice.com. Ditch Diggers! This is a free podcast brought to you by the kindness of our patrons. If you would like to also be kind and a patron, go to patreon.com slash mightymurr.